0: Revelation chapter 2 we're going to start reading in verse 12 <clears throat> All right. Bible says, "And to the angel of the church in Pergamus, write. These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges, I know thy works, and where thou dwellest." even where Satan's seat is. Now holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days where an Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. All right, so we're at the point, we're talking about the church at Pergamos. Um fourth church that we're mentioning. Did I come undone? I sure did, didn't I? Well, that could make an interesting recording. By the way, all the recordings are up to date if anybody uses that. Since I was off work a few days, I took the opportunity to get all that (coughs) caught up. Um, So now we're up on our fourth church, and we come (coughs) to Pergamos. You'll see the listing of these churches. We start with, what, Ephesus, and then what was next? smyrna then so it's Pergamus. we're in the third see my time frame's all mixed up already so if you looked at the map this would have been kind of going north up the coast there of asia minor as, as i heard one uh commentary or one uh, person describe it this way if you had all seven of these letters and you were on a route delivering them they're listed as if you would deliver them in that order so we're going to take a little circle through Asia Minor and deliver these, these letters one by one. And you look at verse 12. And it just starts right out. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Not a phrase we're we're, we're unfamiliar with. We're very keen on that description, right? We understand that the sharp two-edged sword would be the uh, from the mouth of Jesus, right? Depicting, you know, his words. The two-edged sword being a picture, too, of judgment. Uh, if you go back and study the two-edged sword, who would have used the two-edged sword? That would have been uh, um, army or political people that were out there enforcing laws or so forth, they would have carried this two-edged sword. I kind of correlate it to the, today, or like our police, they carry their sidearm. That's their two-edged sword, so to speak. They, when uh, Pergamos would have saw that phrase, two-edged sword, they'd have known exactly what the reference was, the reference to judgment, the reference to you know, Jesus here having the ability to not only judge you, but take you and deal with you from, I mean, it, it, the ability to take your life if needed. Right? Our police, to even today, if, if you do certain things, they have that ability to take somebody's life. So there's judgment there. Same thing here. Pergamus it was uh, located about 50 miles north of Smyrna. And it was the capital of the Roman province of Asia Minor. That's interesting to me, the capital of the Roman province. This about 190,000 people. So a fairly good-sized town. I guess it's set up kind of on a hill. Uh, they say the view would have been amazing because from this hilltop, you'd have been able to see 15 miles out to the Mediterranean. I mean, so quite the view. But this political... Circle of the Roman Empire, being the capital of Asia Minor. So with that came all the stuff from Rome, right? All the idols, all the political stuff that came with it. Um, Pergamus was known for having one of the greatest libraries in the ancient world. I thought this was kind of interesting. And you think, oh, okay, this library had. Nearly 200,000 books in it, which again, that's pretty impressive, right? To consider at the time, every single one of those books would have been handwritten. Now that makes it even more impressive. Um, so knowledge and, and the, the um, ability to gain knowledge would have been important in that city. One of the librarians there, interestingly enough, was the one who founded the use of papyrus as a writing um, implement. So you just have, you know, kind of this cultural um, Roman influence in this city, the political influence, and everything that comes with that. And I, and I, I. I got to thinking, anywhere you have a capital with political influence, it's kind of, yeah, it becomes pretty uh, pretty seedy pretty quick, doesn't it? I mean, look at our capital. Yeah. I, I mean, the population of Washington, D.C., when you look at polls, um, we're talking people there in a large majority. I mean, we're talking 95% even greater in that area, reject uh, conservative values, reject um, Christian teachings. Uh, they, they lean far, far toward the liberal uh, realms. And it's just something about when you have a political center like that, and they just seem to go off into those areas, unfortunately. Verse 13. Christ continues. He says, "I know thy works." Well, he's kind of he mentioned that in uh, the other two letters. He said, "I know thy works. I know what the what you've done." But here he says something different, though. He actually says, "I know where thou dwellest." He said, "I know where you live." And you're like, "Well, okay. Why is that important?" He continues, "Even where Satan's seat is." Wow. He's saying, you know, you live in a place that is heavily satanically influenced. So much so that Satan's seat, Satan's throne is there in Pergamos. Now he said, well, maybe that's a reference to something. But we're going to try to stay literal, right? His Satan's seat was in Pergamos. Now, could he have had other locations with other seats? obviously yes i believe but one of them was there in pergamos and you say well why you know what why would you put a church in the middle of satan's seat what better place right what better place so well yeah um you got to you know if you're gonna uh spread the gospel you're gonna do it among the lost and uh, this church in pergamos they had a tough road ahead of them, right? They're in a city with all this political influence, all this knowledge-based influence, all this um, these idols and Roman influence. That I mean, it was just um, it was very pervasive in, in there. And the the, the uh, scripture continues. Christ says. Even though you're in Satan's seat, and I know that you live there, he says, Thou holdest fast my name. He said, Even though you experience and you're amongst all of this, those that are faithful to me have been faithful to me and holdest fast my name. So he's saying, You know what? Good job there. Just like these other letters, he's kind of starting out with a little bit of a uh, an accommodation or, or a commendation and saying, I recognize you for these things, but... But there's some other areas we need to work on, and he's going to get there. He's saying, "You've held us fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in the days where an antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth." He's saying, you know. Many believe that the reference to Antipas here is a reference to Antipas possibly being uh, either a leader in the church or the pastor of the church. Nothing really says, but that's kind of where uh, most feel like that's the case. And he's saying, you know, you held fast my name. You have not denied my faith. Even though you live in this place that's just heavily satanically influenced. Heavily having all these idols all over these temples, all this political influence and all this, but you held fast my name and you even did it when one of your own or one of your own leaders was slain and it says, among you. They saw it. Legend has it that he was martyred in one of the Roman... um, killing devices that came out during this age, which was the the brazen bull. It was a bronze or copper bull hollowed out. And they would put the victim inside this bull and light a fire underneath it. And there were specific um, tubes that came out of the mouth of this bull. So as the victim screamed in agony being basically roasted. It, the sound emitting from this bull is, is they would they would worship the bull at the time. So legend has it that's how Antipas was martyred. I mean, just a cruel, cruel method of, um, of killing. As they say the guy who invented that, and I, I, I lost his name now, um he invented this this mechanism and he was its first victim the guy he took it to the the, the king or, or the guy in charge and said look what i've developed and they said that is one of, that is a cruel cruel thing how dare you even invent this type of cruelty here we're going to put you in it first <laughs> he was the first victim seems somewhat yeah i guess so he's saying I know where you live you live amongst all of this one of your leaders if not your pastor was martyred in front of you in that way even and yet you still hold fast you still hold my name and you haven't denied my faith you keep coming you keep praising you keep sharing you keep doing the things that you need to be doing even amongst that wow wow I mean, that, that's impressive right there. I mean, that's when you're saying uh, starting out a letter and he's giving them a, a commendation. That's impressive. Um, we've talked about it in previous lessons. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, if one of our leaders was martyred amongst us, would we all be back tomorrow or Wednesday or Sunday night or next Sunday? And that comes with the threat why martyr i was thinking about this yesterday what was the purpose of martyr to martyr these these people to punish the one being martyred yeah maybe but the greater lesson was try to scare others into fear right think of terrorism today what's the purpose of it is it to just to punish the ones being killed no, I think the greater purpose is to try to scare everybody else into changing their way of life. So, but they totally rejected that idea and said, no, no, even though we're still going to serve our God. Impressive, impressive. You look at the word martyr, um, martyr at this time uh, basically meant witness you could use those terms uh interchangeably if you said martyr it meant witness witness uh, the word was not quite martyr but it was very close phonetically martyr and it was that way for years and years until so many christians became martyred that now martyr means (laughs) martyred being killed for your faith it no longer has that witness connotation think about it at one point in scripture and i was going to look up the reference and i didn't Christ actually identifies himself as the faithful witness or the faithful martyr. It's kind of an interesting use of, of the of the wordage uh, so they lived in Satan's seat um, I said Satan also chose earthly cities to be centers of his false religion and activities. Think of Babylon right think of Tyre. Uh, I sit and I was trying to pin down to what I thought might be some recent examples. What do you guys think of recent examples of where you think these these city centers are just Satan's dwelling? This is where... <laughs> you know, well, what's going on in Israel right now. Yeah. Palestine, those type of areas that, you know, they just reject God's people so much that they do the things that they're doing. I wrote down Vegas. I mean, anybody ever been to Vegas? Yeah. That's just I, I. I was. It was. It wasn't fun. I found nothing fun about it, to be honest with you. Um, and I was. I went there with a bunch of guys for a reunion. Um, one year, and I'm so glad I didn't take my family. Uh, it's just not. I, and I had an actual before that. I was like, I've always kind of wanted to go to Vegas. Why not go to Vegas? I'm like, don't I don't I, don't, I don't want to go to Vegas no more. I can, you know. We went to a convention there. For yeah. Richard, and we brought our two teen, two teenagers with us. Yeah. And we couldn't even walk down the street. Because no, of the it's just, stuff it's just. If there's a place where Satan dwelleth, In New Orleans is. New place. Orleans? How about Amsterdam? Uh, I was talking to a guy recently who took a trip to Amsterdam. He said, My goodness the stuff that goes on there I did write down Iran I wrote down Vatican Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe not but it does make you think think about why did he choose Pergamos as as a seat think about the Roman capital the Roman influence is there a connection to all that I don't know, sure seems to kind of be. We'll talk about that a little bit as we go. They had faced martyrdom from Antipas, but yet they holdest fast his name. But then we get to verse 14. We'll get to verse 14, and Christ continues and he says, But anybody ever talking to you? said okay here's these things and then you're like okay where's the but come in because and then they say well but and you're like oh here it comes so here's Jesus but I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam look at the pronoun usage there thou hast there them Now, any English teachers, you know, they would go nuts right there, right? It's just you're you're changing the pronoun using what he's saying. He is he said, but but you have people among you that hold the doctrine of Balaam. There's people amongst your church people that that claim to be a part of your church, that claim to be Christian, that claim to be faithful. And yet they hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the church of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So very briefly, what is this doctrine of Balaam? If you go back in Numbers, and I won't we won't read it. We don't have time. But uh, if you remember uh, the the account, you have Balak, who was king over. Um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. My goodness. But anyway, they're going to a fight with Israel, okay? And he's saying, I need I need I need somebody to curse Israel because they're just so strong. You know, they have the their gods behind them, it's evident, and I don't know if we have the ability to beat them in battle so he says you know what i need to so he finds balaam balaam being a a prophet at the time who basically is a prophet for hire he's like you know whoever's got the most money i'll i'll prophesy for you and so balak hires balaam and he says curse israel so we can take them in battle and balaam comes in and he tries to curse israel but he it never goes right. He can't really curse them because he's a prophet and he's got to do what God's... It's just a, a struggle. So it never works. He tries to curse Israel three times and it just never works. Um, so Balak goes to Balaam after this three times. Remember, he's paying him all this money. He's saying, curse Israel so we can beat him in battle. He's paid him all this money and he's saying, I paid you all this money and it's not working. And Balaam says, well, I can't really curse them because I'm a prophet. and So I can't do it that way, but I'll tell you how you can do it. You want to beat them in battle. Moabite, the Moabite king. He says, take the Moabite women and seduce the Israelite men and get them to slowly come in to the Moabite way of life. So they said, oh, okay. So that's what they did. And that ended up working. So it's that that wearing down of your faith and allowing outside worldly influences to start coming in wears down your your faith, wears down your ability to to focus on what God wants you to do, and that worked. So when Jesus here is saying, "Because thou hast people there," they got you got people in your church to hold fast to the doctrine of Balaam. He's saying you got people amongst you in your church that are trying to live in the church and are trying to live in the world. I, I was reading one. Um, Person He put it this way, I loved how he put it. He says, they come to church on Sunday feeling so horrible for what they did on Saturday, but planning to do it again on Monday. That's what these people, that's what he's describing here. He said, you got people amongst you that are in your church that they just, they're not devoted. They're not not doing the things that I commended you for earlier by holding fast my name and denying my faith. They're not doing that. They're living one foot in the world. They're attending these idol worshipings. They're bringing in the doctrine of Balaam. And they're bringing it into the church. And then he also mentions, So hast also done that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Um, Their similar thought uh, that that it's okay if um, we start... Divorcing and marrying other people and just kind of a, a free uh, pleasure is more important than faith and 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 uh, holding fast the name. So he's saying these things are all, this is going on in your church. But it's not the fact that it's going on that I hold against you. It's the the fact that you're allowing it to go on. You know what's going on. You know who's doing it. You know the people that are doing these things and you're you're okay with it. Because you just you know, you're focused on yourself, which you're devoted, you're following the faith. But he's saying, No, you can't have people in your church doing these things and be and claiming to be part of the church. There's the difference. Are we open for sinners to attend? Yes. Right, right. We want sinners to attend because we want to uh, see them saved, and come to a knowledge of Jesus, and see how Christ is working in this church. Here's the here's the tricky one: Do we want sinners to be members? Outward sin. Do we want to allow outward sin and to be a part of members? No, we really no, we we don't. And occasionally we have to confront that. That's the lesson here in this in this letter. Jesus is saying occasionally you're going to have to confront, you need to confront these people and say the church is supposed, remember the doctrine of separation that we've taught on many, many times. You're to be separate. You're to be distinct, peculiar people, right? You're not being distinct. You're allowing these things to incorporate into the church and, and Jesus and his great wisdom is saying and knows what's going to be the end result who's going to win out in those circumstances unfortunately well, the world tends to kind of choke out um, the other um, if you don't take an active role in it and and Jesus ch- is chiding them he's saying you are allowing this you're being tolerant of this error. Uh, these let's talk about some of these idols. He talks about Balaam and he talks about the Nicolaitans. One of the other um, idols and big worship centers in Pergamos that I found really interest was the idol of Asclepius. Am I saying that one right? Asclepius. All right. What's well, what's well, Asclepius? Uh, Taking a very long story short, you remember the story in the desert with the uh, Israel children, where they make the um, stick with the snake, mm-hmm. to and people want to heal, use it to heal, it becomes an idol to them. Yeah. Well, we all know that that symbol is even used today in the medical field, right? Um, matter of fact, if you go on, I did this yesterday. There's all kinds of organizations out there that call themselves uh, the. Uh, uh, you know, Asclepius Foundation or something like that. And they believe in healthcare for everybody or something like that. But they actually use uh, these idol names as, which is interesting because nobody knows, for the most part, wouldn't understand what Asclepius is. So they had this this uh, temple built in Pergamos. And people, when they're sick, would go to this temple now how does this work well so there's a room in this temple that was dark and if you're sick they would lead you into this room and you were to lay down on the floor overnight and so you're laying there and you're going to sleep there overnight well asclepius is what a snake right so the the floor of this temple was full of non-poisonous snakes and people hoped that over the course of the night, as they slept, that the that Asclepius or one of these snakes would crawl over them, and provide them the healing that Asclepius would, just from the the snake. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I was out. Of course, I had my surgery, and at the insurance agency, I hired another. Uh, agent to help me out, and one of my clients in Blackwell, we were starting a policy with, and they couldn't figure out the electronic signing stuff. So she she called me and she goes, I guess I'm going to have to take this application to their house. And I said, Yeah, I've had to do that a few times, but just be careful. And you know, and so she goes, <laughs> She never called me that day, but when I got back to work, she goes, I got an issue. And she mentioned their name, she goes, I'm never going back there. I was like, okay, what happened? And she got, she started shaking again, telling me the story. She goes, I went in that house, and they got like 40 pythons. Ooh. Ooh. And they, each one of the male and the female had pythons around their necks, and the kids all had them. And she goes, I'm standing in the living room. I said, what, what were you doing standing in the living room? Get out of there. <laughs> well, I was trying to be polite. No. Oh, the and, and they were like showing her around and and trying to, they wanted to show her the rat room where all the rats are at to feed all the pythons. She, so she was telling me this story again, and, and you could tell she was traumatized. So as I was thinking of Asclepius here, I'm thinking, yeah, I think Asclepius lives in a house in Blackwell. <laughs> but um, you have all of these, you had people in the church even, who they're like, well, I'm sick, and you know I'm praying, but God's not doing it. So... Go go see Asclepius, you know, and he and but he wasn't being secret about it. I mean, they were putting on Facebook and stuff, you know. So everybody knew that this was going on. Nobody was was confronting them and saying no, that's idols. And why weren't they confronting them? Because remember, you're in the Roman center of influence in Asia Minor. If you rejected those idols outwardly, prominent enough, what happens? Martyrdom. Yeah, you get canceled. Yeah, yeah. cancel culture, and that's good. Um, so you know, the, we're, we're, Jesus is saying no. You know that's not right. And think about it today. Think of some churches or so-called churches that have very worldly influences. A lot of them nowadays, right? Um, matter of fact, they hardly ever call themselves church. You won't see the name church on the building. Life Center. Life Center. Maybe Life Church. Yeah. Um but it's uh it's there it's come as you are and you're you'll feel better when you leave. Yeah. You know sometimes I come here on Sunday and I feel better when I leave. Yeah. Sometimes I I come here and by the time I leave I feel pretty rough. Because um as as it says in James, that that mirror look the Bible as a mirror when it looks back at you, it shows shows you what you really are, right? And it shows you where we've really fallen and come short. But and then you're not going to feel good every time you leave. I, I saw a commercial just this morning for old uh, Joel Osteen. <laughs> He's advertising this 800 number. It's a three minute just empowerment message for you. Just call the 800 number, and I'm just a very short three minute make-you-feel-good message. Really? Three minutes. And I'm just going to say some real flattery words and make you feel good. That's what church, that's how, what he thinks church is. And it's not. Uh, we Nowadays, we are very um, susceptible to these worldly influence. And real quickly before we, we close up, Or, you know what? I'm not going to try and rush through it. We'll just finish it next week. Take our time. Um, But be thinking, you know, and looking, you know, what's the caution for us? What would we be cautious of to being careful about allowing worldly influences into Central Baptist Church? And it's not necessarily always, uh, people always go to, well, worldly music. Well, it's, okay, yeah, I I mean, I get you there. But. that, there's a big, uh, I mean, that's a big conversation. It's not as simple as as don't allowing this and that, you know. What other influences, worldly-wise, do we need to be careful about? Not every influence is a bad thing. Not every is, is, but, you know, there are a lot that are. But it can take you away. So, you know, let's talk about that next week, and then we'll finish up the letter of Pergamos. I had a feeling it was going to take me two weeks to do, so... I don't want to rush them. So let's have a word of prayer. Ken, do you mind? And we'll get ready for services.